Meeples, on today's episode we have a traitor in our studio. We take a look at their gaming past, talk all about their love of war games and roleplay, how they made the transition to moving abroad and how that affected their game, and we put their tabletop knowledge to the test. Along with Paul bringing you all your weekly news, Kickstarter campaigns, this is the podcast with Crawley Gaming Community. What's up guys, my name is Jason and I'm Ian and we are two game club organisers shooting the breeze about tabletop gaming. Along with Paul in the CGC newsroom we would like to welcome you to our podcast. So stick the cat on, grab a brew and let's jump straight into this week with our second ever guest. Some say he is a traitor to the United Kingdom and that he has an irrational hatred of Eddie from the Cartoon Network. All we know is he's called Ed. How are you doing Ed? I'm doing well thank you. <laughs> How are you doing? Oh, not too bad, thank you, mate. Uh, it's good to good to have you here. Yes, it's good to it's good to be back for a while, for a little while. Yeah, a long time no see. Very much so. It's been far too long. For those of you that don't know, Ed Ed is a <coughs> really old friend of mine, back from my wargaming days, and he uh, became a traitor to the United Kingdom by moving over to the Netherlands. But he's back now. <laughs> he's back here just to talk to you lot and do some other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's about accurate, to be honest. That really is about accurate. Yeah. So why don't you tell um, the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you suffered the pain of meeting me? Oh, good time. Lord, yes. But, uh, Jeez. How, 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 how did we meet? Oh, yeah. Yes. Jason and I, we, uh, we met at the Crawley Games Workshop store when it used to be the Games Workshop store all those, all those years back. Yeah, Quite no, we, we, met, uh, we met back then and I was, I was actually doing, I was actually working as a teaching, so teaching assistant somewhere in London <clears throat> and I needed something to occupy my time so I went so I went to the Games Workshop store there started playing there and you really can't remember how that ended up but we ended up playing at some point and it was I think it was um, it was proper Warhammer fantasy it was Warhammer fantasy it. yeah it was yeah Jason and, I, Jason and I really got bonded over the Warhammer fantasy when it was Warhammer fantasy all those years ago and um, it basically just went from there really to be honest um, uh, and then Warhammer fantasy got wrecked so, he did, so I think Jason decided to go into 40k so where did you start your your gaming life shall we say you know did, did you start out quite young and what what got you into the hobby in the first place? Well, what got me into it was it's actually due to my parents. They have board games, and uh, my dad had a. Uh, um, <laughs> I know I'm going to get a lot of horrible looks from you both now, but he had a uh, fancy Monopoly set. Get out. <laughs> 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 see, see, this is just this horrible thing. But he had, he had, it, it, honestly, really, you know, it's a gorgeous Monopoly set and table and everything. Oh, when he goes, I want that set. But um, <laughs> don't tell him that. Um, but yeah, no, it started with Monopoly and card games. Um, my family and I are big into big into card games, especially the Irish side of my family. We play card games all the time, and we played. <clears throat> excuse me, we play. Um, a game called Twenty Five, which is very much the um, uh, very much in an in-game in Ireland. Like I've explained it to many yep. people, I've explained many rules outside of Ireland, and they all look at me as I'm bloody mad, which effectively they are. Um, but we play. I've played board, played card games, and all that, all that kind of stuff. And then when I went to when I went to lingerie school, a friend of mine introduced me to Warhammer and to Forty K. 
And that's where I started finding out, okay, what's this thing? I didn't actually do anything with Warhammer for a long time until when I was 19 or so. Then I actually thought, I have all these models. What the hell am I going to do with them? Let's find out about them. Did you enjoy painting all of those models that's, and the building of them all? That's when I started to really, really get into the into the whole Warhammer 40k of painting, building and playing. Yep. And the thing that I ended up doing mostly was the building and the painting than the, than the gaming on now I game a lot more than I did back then. But yes, it was the gaming and the, it was the painting and the building that I really enjoyed and still enjoy. Yeah. Still keep doing it. And it's it's a very much a therapeutic thing for me now. I know I know that there are many there are many Warhammer forty K, Warhammer Age of Sigma players and Lord of the Rings players, which which we'll get on to, uh, out there who have a, a ginormous pile of shame, probably even bigger than mine, so whatever so do you find the gaming com- community over there differs from in the netherlands at all to the, how it is over here in the uk hmm. that's a that's actually quite a difficult one because um something i discovered when i moved to the netherlands is how i suppose i suppose the way to say it is how open the board gaming community is and by open i mean how easy it is to find places that do board games how obvious it is mm. you don't have to go looking you don't have to go searching it you can you can walk down a street and you'll see well actually sorry going back to that in utrecht there is one street in which there are three board gaming shops in within 30 seconds walk of each other wow and sounds like heaven it is it is genuinely heaven and one and one of them is very similar to the comic book shop where we were just where we were just over early today shout out to the comic book shop shout out to the comic book shop <laughs> <clears throat> good on ed he supported our local gaming store <laughs> but uh yeah it's it's very similar in that regard it has it's uh it sells all sorts of things it also has t- gaming tables etc and it has gaming nights and there are other there are other comics uh, not comic books sorry there are other board game stores that also do that you can go to almost any local town local city and you'll find well not just board gaming stores you will actually find comic book stores mm-hmm. as well that sell comic books so that in terms of the difference that's how much of a difference is in the UK I found board games to be very insular very difficult to find it's started it's really only in the last year or two that it's it's really moving forward. Yeah, there are lots it started to pick up. up quite a bit in the yeah. last sort of year, year and a half. One thing I've learned from the trade fairs over the last few years that board gaming itself has become one of the fastest growing industries. Money might be tight, interests are changing, gaming's more acceptable, you know, geeky stuff is more acceptable. And that's and that's something else I've found is that the, the as you call the, the geeky stuff, the nerdy stuff, is so much more accepted in the Netherlands than mm. it is over here. I mean, it, 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 it is changing over here. I have seen that change yes. as well. Yeah. Um, it, that's before I went to the yeah. Netherlands. I, I saw that change. How geeky stuff was becoming much more accepted, much more becoming part of the community that there is. Yeah. Uh, in terms of um, by community, I mean the wider community rather than just the gaming community. But in the Netherlands, it really was a case of why? Wow, there's board game shop here, board game shop here, board game yeah. shop here, and also a good, a good mate of mine in the Netherlands. He is really. He loves board games. Mm. He absolutely loves playing board games as well. And often, when he gets the chance, invites me around to have a play a board game or something. That's good. It's, there's, it's, it's extremely, it's much more open, much more free. It sounded like it's a lot ahead of where we're heading at the moment. I think it's so. It's just taking the time to yeah. become more accepted over here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, I mean, the, the, the players out there, are they, were they quite accepting to you as, uh, ultimately, you're an outsider to them? Were they quite accepting of you in, into the community um, over there? Or was, yeah. it, was it sort of you really had to get yourself out there and, and let them get, you, get to know you before? they invited you in well yes 
Yes and no. I mean, I haven't had a chance to experience the board gaming side just because, well, because of my old, because of why I went over there, I went over there to study. I simply didn't have the time to fully invest in that. But for Warhammer 40k and Warhammer Fantasy were my passions. So I took those over with me and so looked up the local Warhammer store, yeah. which opened the day I moved there. So yay! That's, that's, that's a bonus, really. <laughs> that's a bonus. Um, <clears throat> but uh, um, yeah, that, I mean, so I took that open, took, took that over and started that and started looking into that etc and that's and I was very quickly accepted into hey you're one of us great come play come play come play come paint come build and with the board gaming side if I wanted to I know I could go to a, uh, a local board game local board gaming with play, place with tables and just stick a board game and say Anybody got time for this game? And so, they'll be I mean, open the, for that. So the board game um, shops that are out mm-hmm. there, are, are they dedicated board game shops or are they more like what we have in the UK with like board game cafes where you go in, you can pay some money and you can play a board game and have a drink and what have you and then obviously once you finish your session the game is returned. They are actually board game, they are board game centric. They are board game shops, that's what they do. Okay. Dedica- dedicated. They are dedicated board game shops, yeah. Okay. That's good. So at least, at least there's ways for you to play Oh uh, yeah, board games out there as well as obviously you've got the Games Workshop slash Warhammer stores mm-hmm. uh, to play in. Um, this seems a really good time as well to shoehorn another question for you. So we, you mentioned <clears throat> that you were playing the fifth edition at the time. We've got the ninth edition on its way. Oh good lord! How yes. do you feel about that? How do I feel about that? Um, the steam coming out of his head. <laughs> no, well actually, to I be just... honest, it was well. It's, uh, okay, thank goodness I no longer work for Games Workshop. <laughs> I do. I did actually work for Games Workshop at one point, so I have. I've gone through all the different editions including the change from 7th to 8th edition um well, that was a minefield all by itself oh, good wasn't lord it? it was jeez ninth edition is a very welcome change to the previous 8th edition actually there is a lot more going on in it there is a lot more um uh there are there are a lot more different tactics i mean i haven't got the rule book so i haven't been able to um talk about it i haven't been able to read through it myself i have been keeping my my finger sort of a little bit on the pulse in terms of looking up videos looking up looking up people talking about it and seeing what the, what the reactions of them have been very small changes to the rules that make a significant difference to the um, to the game itself um, and just to just to raise a couple of examples in 8th edition you could move you could just go talk about charging for example in 8th edition you would you could target one unit and target another unit just for the sake of oh I'll have a go and see if I can if you rolled low enough and you didn't want to be able to say oh that's fine I'll just go into the target the unit I targeted mm. the change now is that if you target multiple units you have to be able to make the charge to get to both yeah if you are unable to make the roll you fail flat out gone yeah. nothing else something that was introduced also in eighth edition was command points yes yeah i remember yeah lots of controversy around a lot that. of controversy because you could get so many command points for free and they would i personally found them a really very annoying thing to have and you could just get you you would build lists to get more command points so you could yeah. do yeah. all sorts of weird shenanigans. So now my understanding is command points are still a thing in in ninth, but they have changed drastically. They have changed absolutely dramatically. Okay. You now start with a limit. You st- depending on the size of the game, you have this amount of command points. So if, say for example you're playing a fifteen hundred to two thousand point game. You start with 12 and that's it. You have no more, no less, but you have no more than 12. And then you spend those command points to take detachments. 
It's, it's well. almost as if um, GW, with 8th edition, didn't really learn the lessons of Age of Sigmar. You know, when Age of Sigmar first came in, and there was just no limits. You know, until they actually came out with the, the General's Handbook and introduced points, the game, you know, but for me, the, the game had died at that point. You know, all, all of the players that used to play Fantasy had kind of given up, um, me included. You know, yeah. I, that, that was actually the last time I played any kind of Games Workshop game, unfortunately. I've played some of the, the special board games since, but with regards to their actual tabletop war game side of it I've not played it since and it, mm-hmm. it does depress me sometimes um, and one of the games that I had looked at getting into uh, at one point or another was was their IP based game that they did which was Lord of the Rings yes and um, it's not until recently or the last time you came over to Old Blighty that I found out that you actually play that game and you play it pretty competitively from what I understand yes Lord of the Rings it is uh, it has replaced Warhammer Fantasy for me Warhammer Fantasy was a extremely tactical admittedly extremely bloated game with a god awful thick rule book you had to even you had to trawl your way through to even begin to understand Who how the didn't damn thing like carrying around a paving slab in their back <sighs> It, it was it was literally a pavement slab of rule book so it was extreme but it was it was full of tactics you could it was really a mind game and I enjoy those games times games I enjoy games which use the minds uh, trying to get you thinking etc and that's what Lord of the Rings does Lord of the Rings is a very tactical game it's also not as well <laughs> okay I'm not going to say it's not as expensive it is just as expensive as Warhammer 40k Warhammer Major Sigma anything like that so it is just expensive in that regard because it's Games Workshop but it is more tactical in my mind because you don't deal with things like units in Warhammer those of you who know about Warhammer 40k or those of you who know about Warhammer Sigma you have a unit you have a group of group of models and they make up a unit and they all act together they all work together etc in Lord of the Rings you don't have units every model is, is individual Every model goes and does its own thing. So it's far more of a skirmish type game. It is actually a skirmish game. In fact, when it was first introduced from Games when Games Watch first introduced it onto the market, they called it Lord of the Rings skirmish game. You have a hero and then you have 12, uh, 12 men. Yep. And that, that is essentially your army one hero 12 men you can build you can have multiple groups of those and then you have a bigger army etc but it's just one hero 12 guys and they they go off and do and they are independent models from themselves so um in that regard it is very very tactical and it's very simple to pick up as well. Do you ever get it like objective based, or is it just yeah. a full all out? No, no, no. It is all subjective based. You have different missions where you have, where you're, for example, uh, one mission which I really, really enjoy playing is uh, recover the relic, and it's called that because you have six objectives on the field. You have no idea which one's the relic. You and your opponent have to find the relic first yep. dig it up and then get it get it off the opposite side ah clever so not only not only are you trying to find the relic if you find the relic in your own in your own half yay great you've now got to get it from your own half to the other side of the board <laughs> good luck with that it is very um, thematic in those regards as well. And that's something else I really like about Lord of the Rings. You have you have this the Lord of the Rings IP is there always behind everything they do. Yeah, it's all thematic, all theme based. Even the, the way they do the get, where they talk about the different missions is very theme based in that regard. Yeah, that's really nice to hear because obviously recently we've talked about IPs and there's a lot at the moment of 
just slap an IP on a popular game and, and run with it. Yeah, the, th- yeah. the theme of it is loosely attached to it, whereas this is hearing it's come from the core. You oh, know, absolutely. The, the, it's the IP first and they've built a game around it rather than build a game and like what what can we what skin can we put over the top of this yeah. so yeah. it's quite nice to hear you know there's, there's a lot coming out at the moment that seems to have been oh this game's done well what can we chuck over the top of it i mean a lot of people will it. will really dig into uh games workshop and i you know i hold my hands up i, I am one of those on occasion um but one thing i can never ever hold against games workshop is that they do have fantastic attention to detail occasionally their rule books you know they just don't make sense but you know it, it comes from a company just trying to hide everything they do and not play testing it as strongly as they probably could with the actual players you know everything's done in-house um, they have changed that in the past few years and it has become very evident um, and i think lord of the rings skirmish game was kind of the pioneer for them on that front i know for a fact that they were playtesting it a lot with the players up at warhammer world and uh which is you know pretty much where it all stems from now from what i understand um they've kind of pulled away from the plastic side of things and they've gone mainly forge world has that affected the game at all because forge world as we know is you know games workshop is premium and and forge world is premium plus 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 while lord of the rings has shifted over to forge world Forge World don't produce the models. Right, okay. So are they still plastic yes. plastic models? Or? Well, it's, it's Lord of the Rings. So those of you who know Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings is mostly metal. So <laughs> yeah, there's that side. However, while Forge World have taken it under their wing, they design it, they don't manufacture it. That is still Games Workshop. Right, okay. Games Workshop and Forge World's... Uh, <laughs> The Forge World used to be the sister company of Games Workshop. Now it, there's a, quite a lot of intermingling now between the two companies. Yes. Lord of the Rings is one of those. Blood Bowl is also one of those. Uh, those of you who know Blood Bowl. Um, Blood Bowl is under the Forge World umbrella now. The people there design it, they work on it, etc. Yeah. Keeping so, that game alive, to be honest. Like, it, it seemed to have a massive resurgence when it went over to Forge World. Absolutely. And the, that's also something else. Is what the, that's, what, that's also what the Forge World side now does. It takes old mill, old old models, sculpts them, redesigns and redesigns the look. Everything gives it the kiss of life. Basically, gives it the kiss of life to bring it back. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, Lord of the Rings has never really died. Games Workshop has its haters. Games <laughs> Workshop has its fanboys. Games Workshop is a business. And when you look at their stuff, yes, absolutely, their stuff is in terms of, terms of mass produced, amazing. Yes, and that's their that's their thing. That's always been their thing. The game has always come second. Um, with regards to Warhammer 40, 40k 9th edition, they have looked at the game and really tried to make, okay, what's the objective that this game needs to achieve? What's mm. the point of this game? Where does this game need to go? And then built from there. Yeah. Whereas in the past, they've always gone, hey, these are massive models. Let's try and stick a game on them. Yeah. Which yeah. is what they did in the past. Yeah. Yeah. They cut, the Games Watch will not survive without community. They don't produce a they don't produce a white good. They don't produce a service. They have built a community and they're now listening to it. Yeah. I've seen many a game make, made and broken by whether they listen to the communities or not. Yeah. Um, good example is my absolute love on Pokemon. They've finally started releasing products focused on tournament community as well as just collectors and generic players or entry-level stuff. Good. We're now getting off-the-shelf products that help you just jump straight into the tournament scene, which Great. is what people have been screaming out for for years. <laughs> but it's hearing and watching people develop stuff. A good example is... The theme decks you get for Pokemon, you know, the entry-level stuff, mm-hmm. are being designed by players 
you know, they hired players to start designing them because they were so bad, you know, no one ever wanted to even try and play with the theme deck. Wow. Now they're being designed so that they're not... At least they're semi-competitive not, Yeah, yeah. you wouldn't yeah. be able to jump into a tournament and win anything with them. No, but, but you, but you could have... play with someone just who's started deck building and stuff, and they would have an even ratio of cards in them that they'd actually work and function. Right. Um, I even tried this playing their online game the other day, just playing around with some of the old theme decks and new theme decks, and it was just a draw-pass sort of scenario of how bad they were for the older ones, whereas right. playing against someone with a more modern theme deck against me in a, just a theme deck battle was horrendous because they just were about six turns ahead of me by you know literally as silly as it sounds like turn two or three because they'd had cards that let them draw cards and do things whereas <laughs> i'm just drawing going nope nope, nope. <laughs> you know and nope. plodding yeah. along so seeing games act- and game companies adapting to what people want to hear and what to see we talked briefly again about um things like the different genres of games started to mix between you know a good example i brought up before is zombie side is a co-op board game mm. But the latest Kickstarter had a role-playing book to go with it. And we've mentioned Thunderbirds has done the same thing. You know, so we're seeing lots of these game companies listening to people saying, I'd love to be in doing such and such in this universe and with this sort of thing and adapting. So it's nice to hear Games Workshop are doing the same thing now and not just going, you want to buy this, we're telling you that. You know, it's yeah. it's evolving a little bit. It's not going to be like that. But... There is still there is still that element of you need this in your life, don't you? Yes, you yes. do. You're going to buy this. Buy, buy, is... buy, buy, buy. Rub it in my face. <laughs> there is still a, there is still quite an element of that because see, okay, games are true of the beast. So they're a, a company. They're a company. They're a business, and also they're a public public limited company. So they kind of have to. They have the shareholders to pay. So yeah. they kind of have to do that. But they are beginning to listen to the beginning to listen to their community. And actually, this uh, this uh, the most recent release that was a little bit of a that was a bit of that was a bit of an interesting show. Uh, the recent release of the ninth edition was geared at current players of yeah. Warhammer Forty K. It was not yes. geared at starters, yeah. and that is really telling of how Games Workshop is going about the, are going about things now these days. But you obviously touched on uh, a little bit earlier that you've got into board games. Is yeah. that is that kind of your has that kind of replaced the you know your your love of, the, of Warhammer forty thousand? Because I, I remember you saying something about it's not your favorite. What what would you say is your favorite game right now? Oh, on the spot, uh, on the spot, saying you need to say, say something now. Lord of the Rings. I'm going to say is my favorite game yeah. okay. because I in because I can well I go to tournaments with it. It's obvious you love the Lord of the Rings game. <laughs> yeah, I you do know, that. and I, it's as you've said, it's now your favorite game. Yeah. Um, are there any other games that come to your head that you really like that you've got into a lot recently? I know you mentioned to me the other day that you've uh, recently started getting involved in uh, the world of role play. Yes, I have. I have. I am. Uh, I am also a GM. Um, I was never a role player. I was never a GM. I never considered my going into that never thought about doing it at all mm. until I went to the Netherlands it was only until I went to the Netherlands that I started discovering this and the only reason because it is because of that is because my best mate started telling me stories of what he because he himself is a GM he is also play he also plays yeah and he started telling me all sorts of stories I'm kind of like I want some of that <laughs> that sounds like fun I want some of that so um I, I just found it really funny like I remember you mentioning that you'd um you'd played Gloomhaven which I was first off insanely jealous of because I still to this day haven't played it and I know Ian hasn't nope. either and we're desperate to and then the next thing I know is you're role-playing and it's just sort of like, hang on a minute <laughs> 
I was about to say, can you take Jason to the Netherlands? Because we keep trying to get him to roleplay. I love it. Um, it's I've good played fun. Star Wars roleplay. I am Darth Gollumor. This right? is just the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> roleplaying is roleplaying is definitely something that you either enjoy doing it or it's not for you. Um, that's uh, that's something else that I discovered that I only got into roleplaying because of actually. Uh, Warhammer 40k IP there is a role playing game for those for those of you who do know you probably already know what I'm talking about but those you don't know there's a role playing game called Dark Heresy yes where you play an acolyte of an inquisitor and a friend of mine said hey do you want to have a go at that and I went okay why not why not and I was my mind was open to taking part into role playing etc and I thought well, yeah okay I'll have a go I had so much fun mm. my uh, unfortunately unfortunately that campaign didn't go any further because the group fell apart and yeah things happened like so. that is definitely one of the problems I find with regular roleplay campaigns unless you've got a dedicated group or, or, or basically have the luck that life doesn't get in the way there's always something that will get in the way and then yeah. you know dates start getting missed and eventually just everything falls apart you know I, I know plenty of people and I know Ian Ian's group are, are pretty um, pretty dedicated to their to their campaign um, and a, a lot of the guys that come to the club as well they are they're very very dedicated they will play it every week uh, without fail you know and the only thing that's actually stopped them as far as I'm aware is the fact that the world has closed yeah you know and they've got no well, other choice um, because yeah they, they're sort of didn't really want to go down the um, the PC, uh, PC route, route. Um, yeah. but I mean, is that something that you've been doing throughout lockdown? You've been going on online and, and doing it on there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and it's it's because of lockdown. I now run two campaigns, not one. Um, <laughs> so I, so you're not alone in that. I know plenty of people like that. <laughs> yeah, um, but I have actually gone down the lock, the the online route um, because it was a case of I wanted to keep my story going. I that's the thing as a GM, you put so much effort into creating this story and like you don't want to see that go to waste. Yeah. Um, and so you try and find out, find out ways to try and get that. And yeah. also it helps to have players that go, yeah, we want to get back in, we want to keep finding out what's going on, etc. Yeah. There is also that side of it as well. There's the storytelling side of it. Having somebody who's really good at telling a story and really good at leading you through and making it all a story sound great makes you want to go back, makes you want to keep going, find a rate, find ways to get around the fact that you can't do the on this day, yeah. you want to on this because you want to find out what's going on. So having a good storyteller really does help with that. Yeah, well, it's like the old yesteryear, you know, when we had the um, pick your own book scenarios, you know. Yeah. And you can remember as a kid loving those, you know, go to page such and such if you want to do this or that. We're actually getting to do that, but you have someone vaguely leading you through a story because you can have this perfectly timed plot point and then the entire party goes, oh, look at the shiny thing over there and goes completely the <laughs> railroad you in the wrong direction. <laughs> You know, that's a regular occurrence. You have no idea how many times I've had to struggle to like, come on, this is like plot hook. Please bite, bite, just off oh, go. But as a player as well, it's a great escape mechanism. The it world is. can be absolutely going to pot around you, you know, but for that little couple of hours at a time, you can be someone that you might not have the courage to be in real life. You might not have the mental space to be in real life. Something you'd love to have explored but never could. So many different venues available to you. Absolutely. And you can just go and be anyone and enjoy yourself. Yes. And you can even still be yourself. That's the funny thing. You don't have to be someone different, but you've got it all as an option available to you. And 
you know, I think that's what you've got to do. And even with new players, it's it's coaxing them into just let let yourself go, do whatever. It can be as stupid as you like. It can be as sensible as you like, you know. Mm-hmm. And you bounce off different people. So yeah, it's all. It also it also has a lot to do with the people you're playing with. Yes. It really does have a lot to do with the people playing. The dynamic you can create with the people you play with. How much you can work with them. How much you can just bounce off them. Um, and that's that's what I see as a GM. I don't take part as much in that because yep. I simply can't. If I took part in that as well, my game would literally fall apart. Yep. I'm holding. I've, I'm I'm spinning too many plates at once to even cope with that. So it's like, eh, no, let's not even go into that. Let's not even try and take part. In that. I mean, you do take part in that and little bit in terms of you have your own NPCs you have your own um, characters that are giving the plots to the players and that's where the interaction comes in but you yourself cannot take part in the it's just the little prods to push them in the right direction it really in some places it really is in some places it really is and and other times you have an NPC that says okay this is plot (laughs) sit here and listen I was going to say our um, our DM that did um, did the Star Wars campaign for me uh, we we yeah, we were, we were playing a group of rebels, and um, you know, I'd I'd highlighted from the start before we'd even started as I I want to be a Sith, and he openly said, "There's there's no way, you know, there, there is no way I want, you know, this is a rebels campaign. You're a group of rebels," and I was like, Mate, "I, you want me to in this campaign? You want to introduce me to roleplay? I'm telling you, I will find a way to become a Sith." And to be honest, I think it was probably the best information he knew because we were a group that we were everything shiny. We would run over to it, and he was struggling. For, you know, I wouldn't say struggling. Actually, that's probably the wrong word. But you know, he he had no control over what we were doing whatsoever, and it got to the point that he actually embraced the fact that I wanted to become a Sith. So he knew the plot hook, and to get the group to go the way he wanted was to introduce something Sithy. <laughs> allow me to develop force powers and then oh I've sensed something over here and people knew what my objective was going to be they knew where I was going and it's like right we need to follow him to stop him from <laughs> doing something stupid and picking up that Sith sword and blowing up half the town pretty much pretty you much know? yeah and, that's, and and it, it worked it worked really well you know he, he learned that about me and, and it helped with the campaign so no, it's, it's definitely clear that you you have a real passion for, for role play, it's clear that yeah. you've had a massive passion for wargaming for quite some time. And it's nice to see you take the fact that, with especially with the way the world is, of taking it on to online hasn't been an issue for you. So I'm going to shoehorn into that one. <laughs> what has it been like with doing that with board gaming? Yes, now that is that is really something. I was stuck. I was I was genuinely really really stuck with that. Um, I had to well I had to go to PC gaming in order to try and fulfil that gap until I was introduced to this uh, wonderful game called Tabletop Simulator. I know many of you people have also discovered this glories of the Tabletop Simulator, <laughs> and that has really enabled me to go. Yes, I can now start playing board games again. I can now start getting into this. I can now start reconnecting, and that's also what Tabletop Simulator has done. Has actually allowed me to reconnect with you guys. Yeah. Well, me and you have got to know each other through, through Tabletop yeah. Simulator. Although, although yes. you guys met a, a couple of years ago, it's you, only you've been, actually met, get, got to know each other yeah. properly. We've only had fleeting like couple of hour yeah. meets, you know, just through the board game groups that are over here when you've come to see. But um, yeah, we've really got to know each other to the point you've just messaged me even when Jason's not around, you know, are you up for trying this? I'm looking at that. And both of us have bought games through trying stuff online yeah you've got me onto a kickstarter and you've got me to go and find an old kickstarter in the space of about two weeks (laughs) whoops (laughs) 
Well, yeah, yeah it's, it's, I've had to buy that as well. <laughs> you only bought I, one of the two. I bought one of the two, but I haven't played the other one yet. So I think you'd enjoy the other one as well. I think you'd enjoy the other one. Tabletop Simulator, I find, has just been a godsend for reconnecting and actually being able to play games with my old mate, yeah. Yeah. basically, yeah. my old mate here, and discover new people like yourself, yeah. Ian, as well as also, like, finding games that you've never heard of it's like is there a mod is has is somebody created the mod for this for yep. the tabletop simulator yes they have let's go and try this out yeah the other thing that's really sort of got me as well is we've managed to fold you into a weekly crawly gaming group from a completely different country yes i find that fascinating yes i i i, I i've known about the crawly gaming crawly gaming community for a for a while actually yeah because jason and i are really good mates and but we've always... not been able to fold you into it because not really you no. can't appear suddenly in a completely different country for a few hours and then go go back home again exactly exactly and so because because of this because of the whole it's sort of silver lining really because of the whole lockdown I've been able to really go hi I'm part of this thing as well it's definitely a massive silver lining because it, it has enabled me to although we talk regularly you know we're constantly sending each other pictures of our paint you know, painting true, yeah. uh, things painting that we're doing and what games we're playing at the moment we've never never really connected properly um, until re- you know, until all of this, because then we've actually been playing games online, and and yeah. I've missed playing those games, you know. And you know, even when we do play Villainous and you and you win, you know, you, by cheating. Um, <laughs> that first game ever, first game ever. No, don't, no, don't, no. You're cheating, you know. <laughs> At the end of the day, I was playing Scar, therefore no one should be able to win without cheating. Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> So that's you then, is it? Uh, no. So why no, didn't you win then? I, I have never won with Scar. Oh, that's actually true. Just purely because we don't of... need the with Scar in that. No. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is a very, very good point. I, I'm not the best at winning. My winning ratio is probably at about two percent, but I like it that way. Well, we've said um, that. I just have to make sure that I take out as many people with me as possible. But we said that before, especially when we had Paul on. Games aren't about winning. Games are about enjoying having it and fun. having fun. Yeah. And again, keeping on the theme of what we've just been talking about, the community spirit is what's really shone even more yeah. so when we've been pulled apart from each other. We've, you know, yeah. we're still gaining friends. Um, we're still having a laugh and we're still trying to keep up the happy-go-lucky spirit of just gaming in general. Yeah. You know, it still has the little bit of stigma of nerds hoveling in their corner in a dark, <laughs> damp cave, you know. But we will get through that. Yeah. You know, it yeah. is becoming far... Yeah, we talked about it at the top of the show. It's becoming far more socially acceptable now um, to the point that, you know, it, it, people are, are missing it. Yeah. And yeah. with the whole lockdown thing, even, even people that aren't gaming regularly, I've noticed... Um, even from like work colleagues and stuff who who don't board game at all, they've been out and bought board games to play at home, yep. and that is fantastic in my mind because yeah, all right, some of them have been out and bought some of the games that you know what, don't like? deserve to be bought, but others have bought other games, and this is all boars back to what I've said a few times now why I love Villainous so much. One, the game is really good; it's a fantastic, great modern board game. It's reasonably priced, but it's also readily available. Yeah, so people are buying that instead of pick up dog poo game uh, or <laughs> you know step in poo game which is another one I, I don't you know I will never, I'm not going to get into it I'm not going to get into it but we've even seen them me. in other games targeting new audiences again I've mentioned it and I know I don't have a very fond opinion of it but watching Pokemon target the family board game night as a as a market now with the trading card game 
I still stand by my fact that product's not as board game, <laughs> but beside the point, it's targeting the family nights in, you know, and trying to get people learning yep. a new game. It's on a really sort of indu- introductory level, but it's nice to see everyone twigging that spending time with friends and family is actually valuable. Yes, that's that's a pretty uh, in depth gaming history that you yeah, have. Yeah, good lord, yeah. we have gone a little bit, little bit deep, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> it's been great having you. Uh, one backing an old blighty. Um, yeah, I always love it when you come back. I, I I wish I could get out to the Netherlands a bit more than I can, um, and I promise I will try again. Podcast on year. tour. <laughs> um, podcast on tour. Yeah, so sure. It's, uh, yeah, this is the first time the podcast has gone international. We haven't actually left the studio. No, but in, you've had but, an international uh, in. But sort of. we've uh, yeah, we've we've flown one in for you at no expense whatsoever, and. <laughs> No expense spared. Um, no expense spared here. Yeah, but we're not going to talk about the Jurassic World game this time. <laughs> <laughs> we love that game. Dinosaurs, man. But no, thank you very much for coming in, mate. It's been, it's been great to it's been chat a with you. It's and, been really uh, good to catch up. Uh, had our little icebreaker game before this. We had a little game of the, um, the crew. The crew. Quest for Planet Nine. How, how did you find that game? That's fun. It is fun. That's fun a real little fun trick-taking game. game. Fun little trick-taking game, and it's very much in keeping with my with the uh, playing card games that, yes. uh, that I play with my family. So we got you into a card game as well. Yeah, <laughs> we got you into a card game. Yeah, that isn't the fifty-two standard deck. Exactly. Cards. Pokemon next. Um, <laughs> actually, actually I, I should have mentioned that I did. I do have a stack of Pokemon cards from when they first came out. I still have those. Do you have a Pokemon card that looks like an apple? Why would I want a Pokemon card that looks like an apple? That'd be, no, no. Just how you do. <laughs> and that's your present. Well, thank you very much. I will treasure it forevermore. Well, I'm glad that you're going to treasure that. And uh, something else that you're going to treasure is being my guinea pig for today. Oh, no. Um, oh dear I came up with the ingenious idea today that we were going to try something new with every one of our guests so anyone that wants to guest on the on the podcast you are also going to be subject to this right. we have come up with our own little game that we're going to play with any guests we have and we have decided to call it Who Wants to Be a Monopoly Millionaire Basically, what we're going to do is we're going to ask you five gaming-related questions. Right, okay. You cannot phone a friend, you cannot have 50-50, and you cannot have the other one that they offer you. It's only five, <laughs> it's only five questions, for Christ's sake. Right, okay. So you're not sure. getting any of that. Uh-huh. No lifeline. They are all game no gaming-related. They are all tabletop-related, which means it will be covering role-play, card games, board games, and war games. Okay. If you win, which you won't, I will give you a... I'll give you a free the podcast recorded gaming t-shirt with my lovely face all over it and, and Ian as well. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Then. Are you up for it? Sure, go on. Okay, go cool. On right. I'll let Ian... I've written out some questions, so blame me for the awful questions. And I'll start. And I'll let Ian start. So if you were to purchase a dice pack for Dungeons & Dragons, what dice would be included? Dice pack. Okay, let's see if I can remember them. Uh, there are... I'm not going to count them, otherwise I'm going to get them wrong. There is a D, uh, D4, so four-sided dice. There is a six-sided dice. There is an eight-sided dice. There are two ten-sided dice in it. One of them is single numbers, the other is... Uh, 
tens yep, for percentages for the percentages and there is a d no there is a d12 12 sided dice and then there is a d20 a 10 20 sided dice perfect awesome so second question can you name three factions used within the 40k universe? This should be an easy one, considering I'm an ex-employee of Games Workshop. He doesn't want to get it wrong now. No, I really don't want to get it wrong. <laughs> so, you have the Adeptus Mechanicus, as they are called. You have the um, Adeptus Custodes. And you have the Eldari. Oh, he's got all technical on us there. Well done. Name three game types that only use a standard deck of playing cards. Well, not only you, but you use a standard deck um, Standard 52 deck of cards. Yeah. Right, well, poker is one of them. You've got poker. Yep. You also have Whist and uh, Gin Rummy. Well done. Very good. Fourth question. What is the name of the sequel to the popular game Gloomhaven? I really wish I'd saved this question for someone else. Yeah, that would have been a good <laughs> idea. It's Frosthaven, because well I done. know this one. Well done. And then I'll fo- follow up the last one. You'll never get this one. Which of the following is not a character piece in any variation of Monopoly? A. Thimble. B. Bart Simpson. C. Jack Sparrow's Compass. Or D. Jimi Hendrix's Guitar. I'm really doubting myself in here. Um, so we say Thimble. Bart Simpson. Bart Simpson. Jack Sparrow's Compass. Uh-huh. Or Jimi Hendrix's Guitar. I am really doubting between Jimi Hendrix's Guitar and Thimble, actually. No, no, it isn't there. It isn't there, because I remember playing with it as a kid. Jimi Hendrix's Guitar. Correct. Well done. Good. Well done. You Good. have uh, won yourself an amazing t-shirt. Yay! Not a million pounds. <laughs> Not a million pounds. like a bonus question. Go on then. What is the latest edition of Monopoly that they've just announced? No bloody clue. The Monopoly edition. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. There is a oh, Monopoly blimey. version of Monopoly. So every space on the board is a version of Monopoly that's come out. Oh, jeez. <laughs> And that, that was worth it just for that response. <laughs> <laughs> well done. You are a Monopoly millionaire. Yay. We can even give you a million pounds in Monopoly money. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you'd rather have that than a t-shirt, but I'm pretty sure the t-shirt's probably worth a bit more, isn't it, really? <laughs> t-shirt's worth, worth a bit more, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much for indulging us in that. Thank no you very much for coming in. It's been an absolute pleasure. We've loved having you on. It's been a good laugh as well. It's always good to, to come on, have a laugh and uh, actually be able to see each other face to face is there anything else you'd like to say other than insults to, to me <laughs> no I, I think I would love to continue insulting you but unfortunately that cannot be done on this podcast so. <laughs> but join our Monday nights groups and that happens on a regular basis that is the purpose of a Monday night I think is just to insult me but I uh, know like I said it has been a pleasure um, I look forward to seeing you back on the uh, on the discord group when you you know bugger off back to uh, mm-hmm. that other place that you live the Netherlands. <laughs> and, uh, Just say it. Get, get it out of your system. Yes, the Netherlands. There the we Netherlands. go. There we go. It's a lovely country. I, I genuinely am jealous about you being <laughs> out there all the time, but hey-ho. Um, so, yeah. Did you enjoy hearing from Ed? I, I know that you're probably all asleep by now. Uh, I nearly am. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> If you would like to hear from Ed again, I'm sure we can get him back, even if we have to do it by by telephone. Yep. Um, do you have any questions for anything you said? Has he said anything that's offended you? Pretty sure he has. He offends me just by looking at me. <laughs> so that's all we're gonna. That's all with uh, with Ed today. We're gonna pass over now to our uh, our man that we locked in the CGC newsroom and we don't let out until he gives us a half decent amount of news. So over to you, Paul. Well, thank you, gentlemen. 
again, great podcast. And here is the news this week. Century Gollum, An Endless World, brings an end to the Century Gollum saga, with Century Gollum Edition and Century Gollum Eastern Mountains being its forebearers. In the return to Carvania, players will travel to an endless world in an effort to explore the frontier wilderness while collecting various crystals and trading with the native inhabitants of that magical realm. As with the original Century Spice Road and its expansions, as with the original Century Spice Road and its expansions, fans can mix and match the three games in the saga to form unique games unto themselves, meaning each game is a standalone game in its own right, but any two of the three games, and in fact all three, can be combined to create seven different and unique games, all with their own rule sets. In essence, Century Gollum Saga is a direct reskin of Century Spice Road. A funny story surrounds the variants. Initially, Spice Road and the Gollum editions were both offered to distributors. It was those distributors that decided that Spice Road would be the better of the two themes to release. Gamers then got wind of the Gollum variant, and with pressure on Plan B Games, its publisher, They finally released the Gollum Edition as a standalone game with decisive intentions of not following it up with any expansions that were set for Spice Road. Again, with fan pressure, especially from gamers with colourblind issues who found the colours used on the Spice Road cubes too familiar to find enjoyable, they thrived on the bright colours offered with the Gollum's crystals. The Gollum Editions were initially only available in the US via the Plan B Games web store months before their general retail release, but Plan B Games has decided against this for the Endless World providing a joint release on their website and in retail, hoping to help local gaming stores after the Covid shutdown. So kudos to Plan B for that, I know I'll be grabbing a copy to complete my set and I'm going to have to get those neoprene mats too. Uh, pre-orders are open now with a release set for Q4 2020, it's set to cost around £32. For those of us that weren't swept up in the Pokemon trading card game when it was launched or confused as each and every new set gets released and think it's a bit too late to get involved, think again. Due for release on the 31st of July is a board game inspired package aiming to bring wannabe trainers into the fold. For two players it contains three 60 card decks, a game board, a metallic coin, damage counters and an online code card. It also features a Raichu GX, a Mewtwo GX and a Charizard GX. So if you're you're ever intrigued by the Pokemon on TCG and never knew where to start, this could be right up your Jigglypuff. Set for a release of a price of $21.99, it's certainly not going to break the bank either. Again, that's due out on the 31st of July. Asmodee are certainly becoming the Disney of the board gaming world as they recently acquired the French board game publisher Lilbelund. Lilbelund are responsible for titles like Mysterium, Diceforge Seasons and the 2010 Spiel de Jar winner Dixit. Dixit certainly has influenced many a game since its launch, even including its own Mysterium and its successor Obscurio. Lilybun joins other acquisitions made by Asbadee for Fantasy Flight Games, Catan Studios, Pandemic, Z-Man Games and more recently Seven Wonders and last year's Spiel de Jar winner Just One's publisher Repos Productions. Although not everyone remains in Asmodee's gravity well as Playtack Games, Deadwinter and Spectre Ops publisher regained its independence earlier this year. With this story adding to last week's news of price increases on board games from Asmodee, it just goes to show how many games we really are talking about. Here's looking forward to our gaming groups meeting back up and sharing game time with all our collections. Over to Kickstarter now, live now is Northgard Uncharted Lands. Based on the video game of the same name, you control your own clan looking to achieve victory by reaping glory in various ways or controlling the most prized territories in this new land. Your conquest requires clever management of resources to advance your clan whilst trying to explore 
fight and develop your increasing territories. The end of each turn requires you to choose a new card in order to improve your personal deck and therefore new tactics and new technologies. As always, beware of winter, as failing to feed your clan can have some unwelcome consequences. The game's for 2-5 to five players, taking 45-90 to 90 minutes to complete, and like I said, should be live now, so go check it out. The artwork especially looks fantastic. Uh, 25th of July sees the launch of Core Clash by Studios. It's a strategic team skirmish game featuring some very highly detailed robot mechs miniatures which look inspired from favourite cartoons of ours such as Gundam, Transformers and Power Rangers. For two to four players taking about an hour or two to play each core set includes miniatures, scenery and custom dice. The victory conditions are easy, no compromise no middle grounds, only complete annihilation of your opponents will do. Head on over to their Facebook page for more information and pictures before its launch on the 25th. From Forbidden Games comes Lizard Wizard on the 28th of July. Forbidden Games and its designer Glenn Drover has brought us titles such as Raccoon Tycoon and its expansions, Railways of the World and Age of Empires 3. Lizard Wizard is set in the land of Astoria, where a handful of archmages are vying for the loyalty of wizards in order to gain the ultimate power. In the game, you must compete to recruit wizards from seven different schools of magic in order to build mystical items, research spells, summon familiars and search dungeons, with only one archmage being able to stand supreme. An action selection hand management game comes with a bit of push your luck. It's for two to five players and takes 45 to 90 minutes to play. And that's all from the newsroom this week and I shall be back to see you this time next week. Thanks for listening. Back to you guys. Thanks very much for that, Paul. That's all from us to, uh, this week, guys. So we're going to sign off uh, unless anything's... Ian's got anything else he wants to say? No, I've had a lovely day today. I hope you all enjoyed us. and I hope you enjoyed having Ed on the show today. Definitely. It was great having Ed here. So, um, yeah. If you have enjoyed what you've heard from us today, please do give us a five-star Apple podcast review. Share and subscribe for all future content. And please check us out on the Discord group and our Monday night groups as well if you want to. Yeah, definitely. We'll always be there on the Mondays. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter by searching for the podcast with Crawley Gaming Community. You can also email us at crawleygamingcommunity at gmail.com. But short of that, guys, thank you very much for joining us. We will see you next week. Stay well and stay safe. And we look forward to talking to you again. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.